welcome back to three in a row it's good to have you listening to us and uh happy new year if it's your first time this year um although we do have a little bit of a surprise this is not our first recording of the year it's only our first recording that we are actually publicly announcing so if you want extra three in a row content um there's a full episode where we talk about the world cup and um, the January transfer window and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but Damola Ifatu, how are you guys doing? Check in. I'm, all, I'm good, though. I'm fine. I'm glad to be back. Um, lots of stuff to talk about today. So, yeah, let's get into it. Um, I'm calm. It's been a busy start to the year. Um, but, you know, it's been interesting. Arsenal doing well. Lots of good things to talk about. And yeah, let's kick it. I will say this: ah. if if you have been one of our real ones, when the episode dropped, you'd have gotten a notification in Spotify or whatever your podcast choice of. So, for our real ones, thank you. And for those of you that aren't real, subscribe. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, lots to cover today. We're going to talk about. I mean, El Clasico, probably the best place to start. Erling Haaland being on fire. Antonio Conte has had a crazy meltdown. The Premier League is down to the last 10 games for some. Uh, crazy controversy with Gary Lineker, Kyle Walker, Hakimi, um, and a bunch of other stuff. Like, the title race is actually on in Germany as well. Uh, so lots to get through, lads. I think, uh, out of respect for football, as I said, best place to start is El Clasico. Um Barcelona got the victory there in the end, right? 2-1. Damola, how did that game go? You were watching. It was weird. In, in the way that, like, you can tell... I would say Madrid came up to shut up shop, but watching that game made me realize why uh, Madrid fans are, like, after this season, it's probably best to phase out Ancelotti. Um, and I guess it boils down to a couple of things. One, the game started with Barcelona in the ascendancy. Then Madrid kind of like started building, 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 got the own goal that put them ahead and looked like they were going to take control of the game. But the Asensio, the Asensio, like this allowed goal was harsh. No, Yeah, that was... (laughs) I don't know, again, man, this is why they think uh, referees in Spain are cheating for Barcelona. Because even with those lines they drew, that stuff looked very, very suspect. But yeah, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, Barcelona deserved to win. I think Xavi adopted or adapted tactically when he saw the game wasn't going his way. Ancelotti didn't. And in fairness, I don't know his reasoning behind taking off Kamavinga. Kamavinga is easily always one of their best players every time I see them play. So it's, I guess he has a thing he thinks will work. And in his, this thing, in his uh, post-match interview, he said he feels, he feels they did enough to win, which may be true on another day, but there was more to do, which they didn't do. So, yeah, I mean, congrats to Barcelona, congrats to Kessie. Um, but I don't know, man. I think Madrid should just forget about the league. They should rest Benzema's legs and Modric's legs and Cruz's legs and just focus on the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, 12 points behind, 12 games to go. That's by, by the Gabmakoti principle, then the, the league is over. You know, it, sh- it should be Barcelona's from this point on, right? Um, big choices from Xavi that paid off, starting Kessie, who ultimately got the goal, and Sergio Roberto as well. Um, another crap player that I don't understand what he's doing in Barcelona. Um, also got to go. Uh, so well done to Barcelona and congratulations on wrapping La Liga up. Um, I think big shout out to Lewandowski as well, right? Massive performance from him. And no, it was Lewand- his back heel, It was his moment of magic that I think made the difference in the end, right? Lewand did great things. Um, he's showing he belongs across the league and who knows, maybe if He's not feeling too old. He can try a trip to England one day. United, I'm sure, would love to have him. Um, but yeah, that's 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 enough of Spain. I mean, also shout out to Atletico Madrid in Spain, actually, who are um, finally playing well. Uh, I want to jump very quickly to England 
um, and talk about Antonio Conte's meltdown because, boy, uh, I don't know if you haven't seen it yet, or I don't know what you've been doing or what you've been watching. Um, Tottenham dropped uh, a, or lost a 3-1 lead and ultimately drew the game. So they didn't lose the game. Um, but they dropped three points um, in the space of five minutes uh, against bottom of the league, Southampton. Um, and even more interesting than the game, Antonio Conte went ballistic. He basically threw everyone under the bus. Or he said the players, um, but what did he even say? Please remind me. Um, he basically gave the Italian managerial version of this is the history of Tottenham. It is the history of yeah. the Tottenham. <laughs> 20 years, same owners, no results. No results. Um, I think he also said the players are scared or they're he like, said the um, players are lazy. He basically said they don't they lack ambition because they are used to not winning anything at the pressure and the zero pressure that comes with that. In, in a weird way, he said what everybody knows, but probably it's hasn't truth. It's the delivery that just came off a bit you know, it, too intense. Well, but I feel like it, he said it about one, things. One thousand percent. He he basically said the the peak of Tottenham is Champions League. Like, not even like going for a Champions League, making Champions League. And you can see it in the way the players approach things. No pressure, no nothing. They are all comfortable. Like, no, not being hungry to win things. And, yeah, man, he he called Spurs a mid-club, which I get. Uh, he also said that um, the problem stems from the top, from the ownership downwards, and that since the owners took over, obviously they can see um, no results. Yeah, so, I I don't disagree on that one. And uh, it's like he's begging to be sacked, you know. Yep, one thousand. So this is why I say, man, when you have a go at your players like Mourinho usually does, you're trying to motivate your players. When you have a go at ownership, the way Conte did, you're trying to get that self-rest package. I mean, I don't think they're going to fire him because his contract is running out. Is it uh, at the end of the season? End of the season. Yeah, Yeah. end of the season. Um, So I think Conte is just saying his piece. Um, And it's it's interesting that he's saying the exact same thing or very similar things to what Mourinho said when he was leaving. Um, I believe Poch made similar sentiments as well, but less strong. Um, because he's probably thinking about going back, right? But clearly nothing he said was a lie. I mean, I believe everything that Conte said there. Um, it's just, I also think he's the manager of the club and the club did back him um, in the transfer window last season. And it's like, as he can get as angry as he wants with the players and the club and blah, blah, blah. But how much does he look at himself and his tactics as well? Um because they've tried to buy players to even suit his system. Uh, it's just like, as if it's saying, if he doesn't get the best of the best in the positions that he needs, then he can't work with that and nothing else works. And he has no tactical uh, flexibility or adaptability about him, um, which I think is kind of like, what's the word? Like, so he's it's it's contradicting himself, I think, a bit with some of the things he was saying about the players. Um, because it can be applied to himself as well. Like tactically, they're also not that fantastic. They they've been a crap team all season. Um, but what's miraculous about Conte is they're still fourth in the league. Well, uh, yeah. what's the qualifier? What's the name of the the winger they got from Villarreal? Um, Danjuma. Arnold, yeah, no Danjuma. What's that guy doing? Has it has he even like made any impact? I, I have no idea. He scored in like the Carlin Cup. Oh, I, 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 I imagine he he sanctioned that sign in Conte. I don't, I don't. Also, honestly, you're right, Sokwe. I don't think he has too much. Three, sa- quick side notes: three in a row breaking news. Uh, Telefootball reports that Conte is expected to be sacked this week, which is no surprise, right. but semi breaking news. Telefootball. Right. We'll see how that will manifest. Um, <laughs> To be fair, because I have my doubts as to whether knowing Daniel Levy, right, and uh, Richard Arnold, the other guy is like really old and I don't think he's as involved in the club anymore. But Daniel, he doesn't strike me as a very egotistical guy. I don't think he has a lot of ego as an owner. I think he can 
like take what Conte has said and just wait to the end of the season. Um, I disagree. Especially because they're fourth. So I, I will say this though, and it's, I have a problem when your club are not as good as the top teams in the league. And for some reason, your board managers or director of football or whatever is among the highest paid in the league. United had that problem with, uh, what's the game? Is it Edward? I can't remember. Woodward. Woodward was making disgusting bread. Um, somebody who is high up there is Daniel Levy. I think they even said he increased his salary by a large amount recently. So it, it's a weird thing where, it, again, it screams of the mediocrity Conte was talking about to, to an extent where it's like, at the top, they're getting paid, they're getting massive endorsement deals, they're making money from their new stadium. And from a financial standpoint, you can say Tottenham is doing well. But at the end of the day, football fans care about winning on the pitch. And sports aren't set up for that because there's no hunger coming from the top all the way to the bottom. Like, is what it is, though. I'm I'm never sad to see sports suffer, but... The history of that Tottenham... <laughs> <laughs> uh, my days. I mean, what what do you guys think that where do you think this leaves Tottenham uh, in terms of looking forward? I'm like, if you were the director, um, or if you were uh, Daniel Levy, would you be sacking Conte? Are you for that decision? One thousand percent. It's again, it comes back to the same thing. Like it seems like a results aren't going well. No, it seems like results aren't going well. One, two, it appears he's losing the dressing room or he has lost the dressing room. Three, he's having enough more of these public rants that it's like I don't want to be here again. It to me, it just screams like he's going for a severance package. And like Ifatu said, his contract ends this season, so I'm probably not going to renew him this season if he stays. Anyway, might as well just sack him and pay him his remaining money. He's not even going to agree to to a new contract. (laughs) I'm sure there's work for him in Italy. There's work for him with Inter Milan. There's work for him with even Juventus. Like There's work in so many places for him. Inter Milan are crap right now. Um, But yeah, let's stick to the Premier League for now, lads. Um, talk about the title race. Um, I was at the Emirates this weekend, it was an easy dub. Can't lie. Oh, uh, hold on, you weren't we just are... at the Emirates this weekend, you were at the Emirates pre this weekend too, when that <laughs> shambolic result happened on Thursday. So, I, um, <laughs> I mean, that was not Premier League related, but yes. Um, so bouncing back from uh, a Europa League shock exit to Sporting Lisbon. Uh, Arsenal did the job against Patrick or ex Patrick Vieira side, um, Crystal Palace. Well, a good part about that game actually was we got to start chanting Vieira's song for like from the halftime till to the end of the game. We were singing Vieira's name in the stadium. That was quite funny. Curious though. Um, before I ask about the Arsenal match, because you know, easy dub, we played fantastic. Uh, to go to Crystal Palace, what do you think about them sacking Vieira? I mean, I thought Vincent Company said it best, right? Said it well. And then I've just heard a bunch of people say the same thing um, since then, where he basically pointed out the fact that um, Crystal Palace had a really, really difficult run of games for, let's say, the, for this run where um, Vieira was winless. I think it was well, winless in 12, or he like, Lost twelve on the bounce or something nasty, like that. First of all, I'll no, say that. That's... Say that again. No, win less than twelve. Like they okay. haven't won a game since uh, twenty twenty three started. Exactly. Okay. Um. So I mean, first thing that I would say is that that's grounds for any manager in the league to be sacked. Like, if we're calling a spade a spade, that's like, that's bad. In the league, to not win twelve is, you know. Uh, serious grounds for concern. Um, but that being said, 
uh, company, you know, pointed out the fixtures um, that Crystal Palace had and the fact that they were not losing by big margins and they remained competitive throughout um, throughout that run of bad games. Also, Wilfred Zaha was injured um, for a number of games as well, which does not help when that's your, you know, number one talisman. Um, sick footballer, by the way. Um, but then also, like, lastly, that the games, the run of games coming up is actually the games, those are the winnable games. Uh, and it's games against, like, of the remaining 11 games they have, like, nine of them are the teams that are beneath them um, in the table at the moment. Although we all know, like, five points separates last place from, like, 13th position um, in the league right now. So there's about nine teams fighting for relegation, which is mad. Um, so, uh, company was just stating that he, he just finds it really unfair that he wasn't given the opportunity um, to see those games through, especially given the fact that he was being compared to an overachievement um, that he did last season. Uh, so it's almost like his success, that's Vieira. Uh, Vieira's success from last season is counting against him um, when the team is actually performing to the levels that you would expect this season, when ultimately Crystal Palace didn't really invest that much. Um so, I mean, for me, ultimately, it's a mixed bag. To answer your question, Damo, I think there was a bunch of Crystal Palace fans who wanted to see him go. Um, so they won't be too upset. But, yeah, I would have given him um, more time, especially to, to face these games. Yeah, uh, I, I get that. And I agree with you. I think when I heard about it, I shortly saw companies interview after. And to be honest, it summed it up perfectly. And I'm obviously biased because Arsenal legend. But mm-hmm. it's sad to see them put the responsibility of failure on the manager when the responsibility of failure is on those at the top leading the club, not investing in the club, not doing what needs to be done at that level, and it's spilling down. So, yeah, it's sad. The, the, the one thing I'll say from the board side, if I was going to play devil's advocate, um, is that they, they decided to take a gamble on, I guess, maybe the new manager bounce going into these last run of fixtures, right? Because ultimately, this is what's going to decide if they stay up or down, right? These next few games that they're about to face or these next nine games or whatever. Uh, so I think they're gambling on new manager bounce and something reliable um, that will at least see them across that hurdle. And Apa's word on the streets is that Vieira was soft. That's what they said. I don't know if it's true. I, I, I don't know. Well, I can't use how he was in his playing days to compare it to how he is in his coaching days. But seeing how he played, I find that a bit hard to believe. Um, that being said, yes, I, I do agree with you that they probably looked at... Like, it's... Everybody's trying to clean up your own mess, right? And they probably looked at it and thought that... Okay, new manager bounce, like you said. Easier run of games than the 12 games we've not been able to win. Um, after the Arsenal game, if we have a new voice in the room, it could probably help us. It's just there's an underlying feeling I don't like. And again, I can't prove this, which is why I didn't initially even bring it up, that if Vieira was a British manager of a different skin color, he may have been (laughs) given more time. Like, Let's think about it, right? Look at Brendan Rodgers. At the, the way they played at the beginning of the season, by all accounts, he should have been sacked too. But Benjamin should be sacked now. He, he's still there, right? And Leicester have decided to stick by him because there was a time where, like you said, he probably performed better than the squad was uh, capable of. I think, personally, of... Vieira's, like you said, it may have ended up playing against up um, playing against him, but of the success he achieved last year, I think personally, I think he deserved to see it through. Um, that said, you know, they are going to make the decision they think is best for them. I just can't, unfortunately, shake the feeling that if it was a different nationality and a different skin color, the, they may have leaned on the side of more time. But let's see how it goes. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know, um, but yeah, 
I mean, we, we, the sad thing is about that. Really, we'll never know. Um, I, to be honest, there wasn't that much, much, much more Premier League action this weekend. Was there? It was um, a lot of cup action. I was going to ask, uh, actually, quick gut, quick gut check. I want to ask Ifatu specifically. Who do you think is going to win the Premier League title? Who do I think, or who do I want to win the Premier League title? Who do you think is going? If you're a betting man, who's your money uh, on? To know who you want to win the Premier League title, but go ahead. If if um, if I'm a betting man, um, with what I've seen so far, honestly, I'm going to bet on Arsenal. They say they have a 57 percent chance of winning, uh, and I tend to agree with that. Uh, just the momentum and even the pressure, um, not just on Arsenal but also on Manchester City, because it seems as if um, if they're they're saying Man- Arsenal have a 57 percent chance of winning. Man City probably have a you know 43 or 42 percent chance of winning, um, and that's quite a lot of pressure for for a team that are like how many points? The eight points behind now with an outstanding with uh, an outstanding game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I and, I, the, and they face to... Liverpool when they come back. So before Arsenal plays mm, our next game, I'll get to that. Hmm. <laughs> um, but but if you, if if you ask us ask as a betting man, yes, I'll say Arsenal. However, what do I want to happen and what do I think might even happen or, you know, is that um, Arsenal are going to, you know, Arsenal as usual, you know, we know them. They've been doing this forever. Is that history of the Arsenal, you know? <laughs> That's, you know also funny? This history of the Arsenal thing is not true. I mean, we've bundled it last season. Okay, is, it, is the recent history of the Arsenal. <laughs> it's like the last two years history of the Arsenal. Don't, don't make it seem like historically Arsenal have been bottlers. In, in the Wenger days, we all knew the way it goes. Uh, Arsenal is like five points off top four. Hand, uh, less than 10 games to go. It's in the bag. We'll somehow no, find a way. You got defensive quickly. Don't even let if I had to land. No, no, because I'm not going to... Nobody is putting Tottenham's bad vibes on my club. Go for me, button. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, um, basically, I feel like, um, for example, this City-Liverpool game, I'm going to whoop Liverpool. Like, it's at Etihad. Haaland is in the form of his life, you know? Um, they're going to whoop Liverpool. So I would advise you, I would strongly advise you to not even count on that fixture. Remove it from your mind, okay? <laughs> what, 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 what could actually happen for you is, you know, that is, it's that game versus Manchester City. That one that everyone thinks, oh, is that Etihad and Manchester City are going Short to beat Arsenal. That's the one, that's the one that if Arsenal can really, really rally the troops, you know, and avoid defeat, you know, that's when I would, you know, that's when I'll probably, um, I'll probably resolve to Arsenal winning the trophy, yeah, winning, winning the Premier League, which is like, which is like very, very traumatic for me, if I'm being honest. But yeah, um, um, it's, it's, it will be very interesting to see this uh, last um, 10, 11 games of the Premier League season because, um, I, I don't want Arsenal to win. And me being an optimist and enthusiast, a crazy person, I even still think that perhaps... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the delusion that is United fans. <laughs> Somebody said United are in the title race. If I had to actually said this in the last episode he was with his yeah yeah, yeah i was i was uh, i had like a couple of beers I, i'm sorry I, I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I, I kid you not the people who listened to that last episode i i checked it we had the number of listeners would have probably been you don't listen, listen to that episode guys it's not yes please go it's listen to that episode enjoy yourself chop chop life is good for you Yo, 26th of april big day man city arsenal we'll see what going We'll see where I go from there. And then that, 29th that, of April, Arsenal versus Chelsea. That one is that one is personal for me because it's Mudrich's first appearance at the Emirates. It's personal. Arsenal also have Liverpool at Anfield. You yes, know, that's and, another and game. We have uh, basically it's the, our, our, our next 10 games is hell. Because within those games, we have Liverpool away, West Ham away, City away, Chelsea at Newcastle home, away. Newcastle away, Brighton at home, um, uh, and then Wolves at home as well, who could be fighting for a lot, similar with Nottingham Forest. So, like, fuck my life, you know? 11 finals for real. 
<laughs> and I would also say that there is a lot of pressure on Arsenal now that you guys are out of Europe. I think there's zero pressure on this. No, 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 no. Now that we're out of Europe, I actually agree with you, Fatonda. Now, now you're out of the Europa League, right? All eyes are on you. There is no other football match you're playing except for Premier League football. Okay, um, you dwindle, you stumble, and you know everyone is, you know, everyone is like, ah, yeah. ah you know, Arsenal going to do it again. You know, they're going yeah. to fumble I the mean, bag again. You know, for me, this season, it's a funny one because all season, I very much, I'm just like, you know, I have that anxiety in me that, oh, this is us now, blah, blah, blah. But at this point, I can say, zero, man. These guys are cruising, bro. Don't watch that. We're cruising. No, 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 I can't lie. They actually seem to be cruising. Um, the, the 4-1 win versus Crystal Palace was so telling. Like, the oh, manner in which you guys... Victory. Yeah, the manner in which I, you guys... I would like, say... Saka, there's a Saka big difference. Uh, okay, a haven't... Yeah, he's ridiculous. Um, and I was just gonna say, there's a big difference now. Having seen Thursday, Saturday back to back like this, the drop off in quality, um, when uh, Odegaard and Pate are not playing in the team, is crazy. It's a different side. Because we only reached those, that second gear, we only reached that different level when Pate and Odegaard are in the middle because those guys are shut down. First of all, Pate alone ensures that we camp uh, the opposition in their like half of the field, closer to the goal, um, closer to their goal, because this guy sweeps everything. Everything that comes his way, he sweeps up. Um, unlike Jorginho, who honestly, in my opinion, Jorginho just disappears. Like for nineteen minutes. So uh, I, I will say this with the on the Jorginho thing, right? I think a number of Arsenal fans, me included, has been quiet because you know, shout out to the man, man. He he gave us a banger against Aston Villa. But anybody I hear compare Jorginho to Jaka anymore deserves fight and does not is not a true Arsenal fan because, like you said, the difference is too clear. Pate is, I think, even to an extent, even Arsenal fans, we know how good he is, but it almost feels like we've underestimated him sometimes. The, the, yeah, sometimes, not every time, sometimes. The difference in quality is so big, and like I said, what he does is so much, not just from him reading the play, from the way we press, from limiting the opposition to what they can do. It's not a coincidence that all those games were conceding a lot of nonsense goals. Pate was either injured or just coming back from injury. So, I mean, we, we, we have a big responsibility or a big task replacing him or backing him up in the summer. I personally like the Latvia brother at Southampton. I hope they relegate so Lavia. I can get him. Lavia, sorry. Lavia. Lavia. Um, him or Paulinia in Fulham. We need Casado. That's who we need. That's the guy. So Casado and uh, Declan Rice. Yes, so not bad, not bad for a, a, a summer transfer window. Um, but also like Martin Odegaard, man, guys. Just important to say that this guy is so special as well. Um, and yeah, if these guys can stay fit, anything is possible for Arsenal. One game at a time. Next up, Leeds. I'll be there, of course. <laughs> we move. As we charge on to the title. Um, okay, we've probably spent um, too long talking about Arsenal, showing our bias there. Uh, just a quick one on the Premier League. United, and I say United, if I to, I know a lot of fans, a lot of our listeners will want to hear from you regarding um, the, the 7-0 collapse uh, a couple of weeks ago, or if not last weekend. Yeah, so if at all, I would like to hear from you about the 7 nil collapse. How much of that do you credit to Liverpool's fantastic play and Klopp? And obviously, we've seen that Liverpool went on to lose their next game against Bournemouth. Yes. <laughs> how much do you credit Liverpool versus how much do you berate United for that um, horrendous, embarrassing, uh, disgraceful... Um, you know, spineless uh, scholar. Honestly, shameful. Honestly, <laughs> guys, relax. <laughs> honestly, a lot of people, a lot of people berated Manchester United uh, for their performance in that uh, fixture. 
Um, but I watched it again, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's an equal pro- proportion. So you can berate Manchester United as much as you can also praise Liverpool for uh, whatever they did that got them seven goals in one match. Um, I think it's more of... Honestly, some, some of those goals were just... I, I don't want to say, like, just really, really unfortunate. Especially, like, the earlier ones, you know? Um... They were just unfortunate, really, and I don't think it's anything like down to to Liverpool's uh, maybe the way Liverpool set up or anything like that. You know, they just they were just flying. It's more, you know, it's it's a Liverpool Manchester United game. Like it's a, it's a um it's a very very big clash historically, right? So I think it's one where maybe people are playing with passion as opposed to like tactics and stuff like that, and. Um, yeah, um, Liverpool just happened to get the first goal and then the second goal. And then obviously, from that point onwards, unfortunately, Manchester United cap- capitulated. You know, it's almost as if the players were no longer playing for each other, like the manager said at the end of the match. They were no longer playing as a team. It was almost individual, you know, you do this, you do this, like we're blaming each other. Uh, Bruno Fernandes um, as the captain of the side. Slander Bruno. Slander yeah. Bruno for me. He, he, he really disappointed. Uh, he, he, it was, the, it, you know, it was disappointing from him um, because as a leader you are supposed to show uh, strength when um, you know in those kinds of situations and he didn't he also in fact he, he just led the team with capitulating you know he just didn't have the the um, he just didn't have it in him to 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 control the situation and yeah um, we lost 7-0 but obviously obviously a one-off, you know. Manchester United have lost two games since the World Cup. How many other teams can say the same? Two games we've lost since the World Cup, and one of them is the seven-zero loss to Liverpool. United have the most wins of all teams in you know in the top five leagues, you know. So um, you can say what you want, um, you can say what you want, but I'm not going to read too much um, into that game. And I'm glad, I'm actually glad that the football community uh, seem to be forgetting it so quickly i don't know why 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 you guys brought it up there it's quite forgetting yeah man i can't lie if i was the one that drank seven i'm going to show my face man but it's calm no 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 i honestly i'm i'm really not going to look at it like that after everything um, every every after everything we've achieved this season, um, I'm not. It's I'm going to be doing myself an injustice and even like negatively um, affecting the situation by reading too much into that seven zero win. Um, Liverpool literally lost the, le- the next game one zero to Bournemouth. Right? It was Bournemouth. Yeah, man. And Liverpool is. I, I don't know what's going on with them. You know, man. they need to figure out their life. Out. I I I feel like that's even more telling on Liverpool. So. Um, yeah, let, let, let Liverpool focus on their season and focus on getting Seven themselves out. curse is real. That's Where's all. the trophy for that? As in, there's no trophy for that. that there's only misery. It's, it's a curse, not a blessing. Exactly. Um, should we stick to that? First of all, Lifatu, I should say, that was a great defense of, of United. And I think the football community is moving on because most people acknowledge that the game itself was a blip. And United are a club currently on the up. I don't think that's... Um, I, I will say this, though. Um, a couple of things I have learned about United since that game. And I think to every United fan, this is obvious, but it's more obvious that United needs a controlling presence in that midfield, right? Having midfielders who are all good in Casemiro, Bruno, that do not want to slow down the game sometimes and things like that is biting you in the back. A lot that that's one because now you've lost Casemiro to a red card. Um, some of the goals you have conceded are also on the back of that. The way sometimes the midfield cannot dictate play. Ericsson was doing that for you, but he's injured for a while. Um, and the second thing is your squad is light, like it's it's almost as light as Arsenal's squad, but for some reason. Ten Hag refuses to rotate where there's opportunity to rotate. And then he says that Arsenal has all the best luck with injuries, forgetting we lost Jesus and a couple of players. So We've lost Jesus, we've lost Zinchenko, we've lost Partey, we've lost Elneny, we've lost Tomiyasu. 
ETH, keep my wife's name out of my fucking mouth. Yeah, we did lose El Nani. Uh, El, El Nani. Here's the thing, right? El Nani is good for El Nani is mid. So, uh, so we, because we didn't have El Nani, we had to so, play so some. Let, 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 yeah. let me let me let me honestly the only the only first teamers that I'll, I'll say you guys have lost are uh, Gabriel Jesus and then maybe for a bit Zinchenko. Uh, I don't. Party. I'm not. I'm, I'm not buying the party stuff. Party has not missed what? five games. That's How not many true. Games party missed? Party has not missed up to five games in Premier League this season. I know that's not true. Party, party got injured at Everton. He missed the. Did he miss the City game? Or he was there for Trafford. He missed Old Trafford. He uh, missed Everton. Everton Old Trafford. Um, he played. Party has been injured. This we, season. We, we, we can we can fact check uh, fact check it, but um, I don't think Party has missed that much football enough to say oh you know. But yeah, when you talk about Gabriel Jesus, because Gabriel Jesus that's the only person I'll say oh okay he has you know has been an absentee. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Martial for Manchester United. It's like nobody, no one sees it. I feel bad for Anthony Martial because I feel like he was about to have a revival under ETH and. Um, yeah, Idri just fucked him up. Excuse me. Yeah, we have Marshall injured. We have Ericsson injured. You know, we uh, I feel like injury has definitely hampered us a lot more than it has hampered I, us now. I think Ericsson coming back might be a really big boost for you guys going into the final stretch of the season, especially with the amount of games you have still left to play. Um, do you know much, or should we quickly touch on the takeover bids um, from Sergeant Radcliffe and more exciting, the Qatar Foundation? Um, yeah, uh, so the Glazers, as greedy as they are, um, they've overvalued the club at six million, uh, six billion pounds. And, um, the, the, I mean, it, the two major bidders, uh, Jim Radcliffe and uh, the Qatari, this thing led by Sheikh Jassim, they've both made bids, but both of them are like, I think the maximum one is 4.5 billion. And, um, obviously, they're not accepting it, but recently they've done like a second round of talks, and it seems that, um, I mean, one thing that was quite peculiar was that uh, they had a second round of talks and they invited both Sergeant Rad- Radcliffe and uh, Sheikh Jassim. And um, Sir, uh, Sheikh Jassim literally spent the whole day at Old Trafford uh, having the talks. And um, Sergeant Radcliffe came in for like, I don't know, was it 30 minutes or one hour? And he was out, you know. Uh, so you can, that just tells, uh, shows that there's a lot more talks ongoing with the Qatari side of things uh, than Sir Jim Radcliffe. They definitely consider the Qatar offer, uh, the Qatari offer a lot more serious, a lot more uh, realistic, a lot more desirable. Um, and uh, personally, I actually have a personal, um, you know, I have a personal side as well. I'm not going to let out that side yet. Uh, but yeah, um, the Qatari guys are very serious. And I think um, I am, I think, I'm pretty confident that they're going to get it done because it's, you know, it's now more of a thing of, you know, it's almost a thing of, um, I want this and I'm going to get it. And I, you know, because I can do it, you know, and they're going to do it. Um, so yeah, they're not willing to um, overpay in quotes because, you know, the, the, the club is not really worth um, more than 4.5 billion pounds, if I'm being honest, especially with the debt. Uh, but yeah, um, Sheikh Jassim is going to get Manchester United if you ask me what's going to happen. Don't you think Jim Radcliffe would be a better runner? No, I don't. You hate us. You hate no, us. I actually yeah. think the best owners will be the Glazers. You know. You. I heard. I, I, exactly. I would. I would. I would say those are. That's the second option. Like if if um the Qatari um the guys are not getting it, then the, the Glazers might as well stay. I don't want no Sir Jim Radcliffe. I'm not comfortable with that guy. That guy literally claimed to be a Chelsea fan when Chelsea were available in the market. He claimed to be a Chelsea fan, suddenly had a house near Chelsea, started talking about all this stuff. And then obviously he lost out on that. And now he's now in Manchester, you know, he's now all for Man United again and he really wants Manchester United. I don't trust that guy. I think we're going to have more of the same problems. It's going to be a situation of from frying pan to a deep, deep uh, uh, fire. So <laughs> please. Spare me um, on those uh, gym tips. Is the hitters I want? I mean, there, there is an argument to be made for the guy. Like he's old as hell, so if he's buying this, you know, he's not buying the club for profit. So it's not going to be more of the same exactly in the same way as the Glazers. He'll be buying it as a passion project. As a um, as a matter of fact, it's the Qatari that have said categorically that they are not going to use the pro the proceeds the profits from Manchester United for anything 
else apart from putting it and reinvesting it into the club. Jim Radcliffe didn't say that shit. He didn't say that. So, actually, I have an interesting question on that. So, I think football fans were no longer deceiving ourselves that we don't want rich people to buy our clubs, which is good. It means we can start having honest discussions about what that comes with. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, these guys, yes, they are football fans, but they're also mm-hmm. business people. They didn't mm-hmm. make their billions by saying no to money or deciding not to make profits. What you essentially just said is the Qatari guy has said, you know what? He doesn't care about making a profit. All he cares is Manchester United does well, which as noble as it sounds, then brings in the conversation around sports washing. Now, again, this is nothing special about Manchester United. It's something that has gone on with a lot of football clubs. It's something that... Even gone on in the US here with a variety of sports teams. Um, Bomani Jones has an interesting segment on it when talking about the World Cup on his show. Um, I think it's called, um, I can't remember the name of his show right now, but I, I remember seeing a snippet of that. And there were some interesting like conversations around how, um, here for example, American football is big around university teams. There were some interesting examples about them doing their own version of sport washing. So, like, yes, obviously, as a United fan, you want owners that are going to invest in the club and let the club do well. But let's also not forget what that comes with. From zero, let's forget. I mean, hey, there's no morality in football. Fans, you can't tell me that as football yeah. fans, you care. Like, if they told you Qatar money was coming to Arsenal, Damola, you would not care yeah i will not care i'm a hypocrite i am very honest about that part but like i'm just saying that at least now we can all have a very honest discussion about the hypocrisy that is in football when it comes to no see let me tell you something eh? we all saw the era where um chelsea you know abramovich took over chelsea i think it was chelsea first um pumped in a lot of money who do you want? I get it for for you. You know, bought a bunch of players. Chelsea won a bunch of stuff. That's done now. Uh, Manchester City came. Um, you know, the, the new owners from Manchester City they came. They pumped in a lot of money. They bought the likes of likes of Rubio, Yayaturi, and then obviously they continue with Aguero and the likes David David Silva. You know, that has come and gone. They've won a bunch of stuff. That's done. Um, we see with PSG. We see with Newcastle most recently. Um, you know, one thing I'll say is that in all these times. Manchester United have always competed financially with these, you know, with these guys, these guys that spend all this money. Man United have always been able. Why? Because we are the biggest club in England. We are one of the biggest clubs in the world. We, we, we generate that revenue naturally. Whether we are first or we are tenth, you know, the fan base is huge. The money is going to keep trickling down. The sponsors are going to always be there. We've always competed in the, final, uh, in, in the transfer window. Even if you, you can say as much as you want about the Glazers, but they've spent just as much money as Manchester City, Chelsea, or any other big team, you know? So um, the idea that um, we want new owners to pump in money is a bit absurd to me because we already have money. We've, already ha- we've always had money, you know? What we'd like new owners to do is to pretty much change the structure, change the system, change the way things, the, the club, the, the way the club is run, you know? Newcastle have new owners, the Saudi Arabian owners, you know, how I, they have such great results now. They are almost in top in top five. They could even make top four. Who knows? You know, um, can we say, can we truly genuinely say that that's because Newcastle have been spending so much money buying this and that? How much I don't did think Newcastle so. spend on Bruno Guimaraes and Alexander Isak, if at I don't think, I don't think it's enough for us to say, oh, that's the reason why they are fifth or fourth. I don't um, think so. I don't. Right. I, I don't think we can say that. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try and table that argument, Damola. No, I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm saying it's not. Like, if I had to make a good point, right? United has always been a very financially healthy club in the sense that they they spend what they make, right? So, is the Glazers? It's notorious that they've saddled the club with debt. They haven't invested in the club, and having an owner that's outright saying. Yes, my plan is to invest in the club. Is great. I don't deny that one bit. What I am saying is the fact that that owner is saying he's not planning to take any profit 
away from the club. That means he's willingly making a bad investment. He, he, he's not saying that for, he's not saying, okay, so uh, in his defense, he's not saying that he's not taking any profit forever. For this, for this fragile time in the club's um, 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 life, lifespan, you know, in this moment where we have, a, I don't know, a huge amount of debt, you know, our stadium needs a lot of renovation. Our training facilities are a bit uh, um, um, underwhelming. You know what Cristiano Ronaldo said about you know uh, our facilities and all that stuff. You know the club, the club, the club needs you know a certain amount of of care and reinvestment to get us back to the, the, the standards and the levels that we should be. You know, and clearly the Glazers don't care enough about this. And this is what this guy is saying he's going to do with I don't know the first few years of profit. He's not going to you know it's a business. As much as we like to, you know, be fans and support football and stuff, you know, it's a business, and I'm sure that at some point, when things normalize and things stabilize, the guy is not going to, you know, it's, it's, there will be no point. He's going to make take his profit and, and make his money. But for now, this delicate time in the club's life, let's let's not take away money from the club, and I don't think that's unreasonable to fathom. That's all that I'm saying. Sense. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that makes sense. I agree with okay. that. That I feel like that's a standard business practice where initial couple of years loss, but not loss in the sense that you're not making money, but loss in the sense that whatever profit you're making, you're investing the club. Then after that, you can reap the benefits. If that's the plan, then yeah, obviously, as if I'm a United fan, I'd definitely want that. But I'd be wary if somebody's telling me, yeah, I'm never taking any profit from the club. I that, that just screams like, why are you willingly making a business decision you're not going to reap from. Okay. Um, sticking with Manchester United, it was chaos this weekend um, at Old Trafford. 3-1 to United, but Fulham had three people sent off in the space of how many minutes? Um, <laughs> and the whole game was flipped entirely <laughs> on its head. After 70 minutes of domination, William Mitrovic and Marcus Silva. Come on, it was I have, I have never <laughs> seen a collective head loss like that in a long time. Uh, yeah, they totally they totally capitulated. They, 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 I don't know what happened to them. Um obviously, have been with the ref. Oh, no, obviously, uh, William, I mean, according to the rules of, of the beautiful game, uh, unfortunately, if you prevent a certain goal with your hand, that is a red card. Um, Suarez will tell you about it. So, um, I don't think there's any argument with that one. That's a red card, that's a penalty, okay? So, first of all, that's 1-1 to Manchester United, okay? Now, um, <laughs> Mitrovic... Mitrovic, um, I don't know what he drank. Um, he I don't be know. In big trouble as well. Yes, 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 because he he he, he shot the referee quite physically as well. Like he, I, I don't know what he was trying to achieve with that. I don't know why he lost his head in that way. Um, it was a clear handball. It was you know it clearly prevented the goal from going into the net. Um, I don't know what he's arguing about. William was already resigned to leaving the pitch, and he thought he was a special freedom fighter of some sort. And he went ahead to physically shot the referee. And obviously, he got the repercussions for that. So um, The third red card is Marco Silva, right? That's the manager. So let's not so, ask him. What's funny is I even think Marco Silva's zone came before Mitrovic. So. Silva's zone came first, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, he was the first one because what happened was William did what he did. And then there was the VAR check. Then for some reason unbeknownst to me, it doesn't look like Marco Silva went to the tablet that all teams have to see what the ref is actually going to be seeing before he started making a protest about whether it Throwing was a handball or mm-hmm. not. He just went straight up to the point where they said he was almost entering the area the, te- the referee was reviewing the thing. Got red card. So to be honest, I think like, obviously, if you don't, from his angle, to give, if I'm giving him the benefit of a doubt, right? From his angle, from Mitrovic's angle, it probably didn't look like a humble, especially since towards the end of the action, William's hand was tucked in to him to make it look like he didn't extend it to prevent the ball from going in. So if I want to give them the benefit of a doubt, is that they didn't see it clearly and it looks like the refs were playing in United's favor. 
But the coach, especially, he I hold more responsible. Mitrovic was crazy, but for the coach, especially, I find it interesting that he didn't take a second to go and look at that and calm the players. Like, even 10 men down, there are still things that can happen. Who knows? Leno may save a penalty, although he never did for Arsenal. But who knows? Leno may save a penalty. But the coach lost his head. VAR confirmed that it was a handball. William got that record. Mitrovic proceeded to also lose his head. And to be fair, he's probably going to get a massive ban. So if you have him on your fantasy team, you should probably get him out. Lol. I do have him. Um, Yeah. Let's switch lanes a bit um, from the head losses that were occurring in England uh, to the Champions League. Haaland scored five goals against RB Leipzig. That's ignoring the hat-trick that he scored actually in the FA Cup this weekend as well. So I'm going to put two things in one here. Um, a City your favourites or anyone's favourites here to win the Champions League? And is Haaland the best player in the world right now? No, Haaland is certainly not the best player in the world right now. He's just on very um, good form. And we've Who is the how... best player in the world to you, out of curiosity? In this Kyle very Saka. moment, yeah, the, the, the best footballer in the world, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I mean, I'll take the event of, Rashford. let's say, the last, the last three months. You also to say Rashford, guys. No, I'm not going to say Rashford. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Kylian Mbappé I'm going to say Kylian Mbappé. Uh, maybe, maybe, not the last, maybe not the last three months, say six months, uh, because I would like to include the World Cup. But... Um, um, since Mbappe is okay, the best footballer in the world. In the world since the World Cup. Since the World Cup, since the World Cup. Um, I, I mean, it's. I mean, if it's Marcus Rashford, he's good. He's good. This is where <laughs> this is where I disagree. I actually it's think Marcus it's Marcus Rashford. Been. No, Davila, stop. No, I think it's been Bukayo Saka. But stop, stop, stop. No, I'm not having that no, 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 no. But, uh, I, no. If you're saying since no. the World Cup, then you, no. the, obviously there's an argument for Bukayo Saka. In, in, yeah. in, in, in Rashford's land, the boy is in Portimans land, in Kvaraskaya's land. Yeah, no, 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 no. Saka. Yeah. No. Saka has been that good. Saka has not been that consistent week in, week out to be the best player in the world since the yeah. World Cup. Period. It's definitely a reach. It's definitely a reach for uh, yeah. It's definitely a reach if you say because I mean Saka has not really been doing it in other competitions apart from the Premier League. He's just he done, hasn't been yeah. playing in other competitions except he the has, Premier League. He has. He has played in other competitions. He, he played, played twenty minutes against Sporting. That's a lie. Thirty minutes he, against. He, he Sporting. played the first leg against Sporting four. Okay. Yeah. That's the whole. The whole first leg, you know. So, so I, I think the Saka one is a little bit of a reach. Yeah. It's a bit of but, a but I, I don't even understand why we are doing since the World Cup, since the World Cup. But let's allow that. No, I just World wanted Cup. to give World Cup. moment. I just wanted oh, to... Oh, right. Okay, fair and, enough. And fair really, enough. we should be talking about Manchester City and the, the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Haaland is a beast. To be fair, that's not news. The guy is about to chop 50 goals plus. I, 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 I think he's a bit hot and cold, though. I'm very worried about that. If I can, I, I can't lie to you. The guy has so many goals, and then like he has also he also has so many matches where he has not done anything at all. You know, so now he has eight goals in two games, right? That's very, very abnormal. Yeah. That's an, an anomaly. You know, he has eight goals in two games. But then if you count maybe the last, not I don't anomaly know. if you're Haaland because that's six hat tricks this season. Already. Right. Yeah, that's that, that's actually quite a that's crazy statistic. Um <laughs> it's freakish, bro. But, but but the truth is that there's been games where he's just not um he's just not even been yeah. in the game at all, you know, yeah, and think... that has to be a worry and he has to find a way to I think Terry Henry gave him some um you know some a great piece of advice and that he has to find a way, do whatever it takes to involve yourself in the game. If the tactics is not is not letting you, then um damn the tactics and you're the striker, you, you are the least um um what do you call it? You're the least um, harmful to the team's defense, so you can always go back and you know, you know, find the ball. Um, so I would uh, say this though: there's no damn tactics when it comes to Guardiola. If Haaland is playing exactly how Guardiola wants him to play, there's no damn tactics. You don't, you don't damn Guardiola's tactics and not sit on the bench. Now, so I think I think Guardiola. <laughs> a couple of things there, um, just from listening to City this past week. One, Kevin De Bruyne spoke about Haaland's dip in form. He said it was felt like team started to understand a lot more about his game and it became a lot more difficult for him to score so he went through that run recently if I had to where he wasn't really scoring any goals right four or five games um, in the league he was managed to be kept kind of quiet uh, it seems like he's finding other ways now and on on the style of play 
Pep was actually talking about there were some comments after the Leipzig game around like something about eight touches and five goals. And, um, you know, I think Haaland actually had 14 touches in the game. Uh, Pep was just remarking how he wants to see more of the 14-touch Haaland as opposed to the five-touch, five-goal Haaland um, that, 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 um, that Haaland All right. is at the moment. All right. And when they, and when they asked he needs Haaland, to get into the game more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and when they asked Haaland, he was like, yeah, I'm perfectly okay to score five, five, goal, um, five goals with five touches. Um, Pep said the opposite. Pep was like, yeah, that's cool too, but it would be better if he had 30 touches, <laughs> you know, to go with and two goals. So, yeah, very interesting. But, uh, I mean, where do we see this Champions League draw sitting? Obviously, we have one side of the draw where all the heavy hitters have fallen. That is uh, Madrid, Chelsea, City, Bayern, Munich. Yeah. Very lovely ties there. And the other side where it seems like the stars are aligned uh, for Napoli. Napoli. Uh, yeah. to reach the final, um, where we have three Italian teams, Napoli, AC, Inter. First time AC and Inter are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League since, um, you know, since I've been a man. So, uh, so uh, three Italian teams in the Champions League semifinals. That's that's crazy. So we have to give them their flowers, the Italian league. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yes, yes and no. Personally, I feel. Because... Um, Napoli have been great this season, but AC Milan and Inter are actually not that great of like teams. In the league, for making the champ, the quarterfinals, yeah, but these are not great sides. Um, yeah, yes, they didn't particularly knock out difficult teams. I think Inter knocked out uh, Porto, and yeah. um, AC Milan, Milan knocked out Tottenham. Tottenham. The history of that um, so I mean, I'm pipping Madrid to win the whole thing, basically to keep the long story short. I think like the road is clear. Watch, watch what happens. Either them or Chelsea. Whoever wins the Madrid or Chelsea game is gonna win. I I, I I was previously of the opinion that um you know I, I, for some reason I feel like there's this this element of underrating Manchester City and um uh, Bayern just taking it away. But I've actually like really really thought about it, and I cannot imagine. Mane, Sane, um, Nabri, you know, running at that Manchester City defence and not getting a couple goals. The, the, the question now is, can City do the same at the, at the other end? And the way and manner with which Man, uh, Bayern knocked out PSG, honestly speaking, it's quite difficult for me to um, see, see City coming out of that Bayern Munich clash now. But that's only if Bayern do not underrate City. Um, if Bayern should not underrate City and play as they can, then I believe that Bayern are going to get to that final because um, not again, Madrid. Surely not. For goodness sake, please. Please. I'm tired of Madrid. I, I will say this, though. For, for Madrid, they have something similar to what Arsenal is going where other competitions have been taken away from them or they've lost other competitions. So there's a certain level of we can rest our keepers and exactly yeah. we can focus on the Champions League. So, to be honest, I won't be surprised if Madrid makes it to the final again. I I do think, though, something that will be very hard for them is they are heavily dependent on Vinicius' moment of magic. And Vinicius has been amazing this season. He Surely is... not. They can't do it again to Manchester City. Surely not. I don't, I... I don't think they can... They can. They, I don't think they can beat either of Manchester City or Bayern Munich. Maybe they can... They, they, they could definitely get through Chelsea. But City, Bayern, City again. After what they did in the in last year's Champions League, uh, I think it's going to be a, 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 a. I think it's going to be a, a thrashing. I don't think it'll be a thrashing, yeah. but I do think it won't be. If it's anything other than a thrashing, then Madrid will go through that fixture. Like if City don't start putting those goals in back of the yeah. net, yeah. then, then Madrid are going to turn it There's around. still one goal in it with ten minutes to go. So wrap. But see, here's the weird thing, though. Watching the Leipzig game, um, Haaland's five goals were weird, man. I, I don't know how to explain it, right? There's there's not one of those five goals I saw. And I was like, this is the best striker I've ever seen. But he's got five goals at the end of this game, which so is... That's how he always does it. Which is like nasty work. 
Yes. The guy, he said, after the game, did you see how he said he didn't even remember any of the goals because he was just like... Yeah, the goals the goals were like in the flow of the game type goals, man. Um, making bang, one, bang, one touch, bang. put it in, score penalty, get a header. And something that has been good though, his pressing of the keeper because one of the goals came off the back of that. So, I mean, I don't know. I do think like CT having to compete uh, in all competitions remaining this season may negatively, well, let me not say that. They have a big squad and Guardiola is not new to rotating. But I don't know. It's for the first time in a while, they are chasing the league. They are not the chasers. They are not being chased, rather. So let's see how that affects the psychology. It's it's going to be different, obviously. Last time they were chasing the league, Liverpool won it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to do, like, history, they change. So I'm not going to say, based off the history of City, it's going to be impossible for them to make the final. In fact, I currently have City, um, Napoli as my final for the Champions League right now. That means Napoli are winning if that's the case. So mm, the the yeah, the Osimhen fan in me wants Napoli to win, but I like to believe City won't blunder it twice if they get to the final. Guys, Napoli cannot win now. Napoli cannot win any of those four teams. Even if it's Chelsea that make it to the final, yeah. you'll beat Napoli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Napoli plays some okay. sensational football, so I, I won't say that. Um, let's let's round up for this week, lads. Uh, I'm just gonna touch on some quick hits before we go. Uh, Gary Lineker, that was a weird one. I think we all know, or we all are of the same opinion that the BBC royally messed up there. And I think there's now an agreement that means Gary Lineker is returning to match of the day after being suspended um, because he tweeted, um, you know, a very very sensible opinion about um, a law that was passed or that was attempted to be passed uh, in the UK. Uh, shame on BBC. Shame on Kyle Walker for exposing his willy in public and being caught in CCTV doing that um, or like trying to show his willy to somebody. Doesn't he have a wife and kids? Uh, but anyway, Ashraf Hakimi also accused of sexual assault recently. Um Interesting one here. He firmly denies um, any wrongdoing, uh, although he does agree that the woman was in his home. Um, he denies uh, any wrongdoing in terms of an assault. Um, and the club are actually sticking with Hakimi on this one. Um, and obviously, he's still playing for the team and, and, and they're backing their boy on the story. Um, but also, he has a wife and kids. So, shame you know on Ashraf Hakimi. Yeah, do you know I was worried about this one? I don't know if it's like because I've been so focused on Arsenal and English football. I did not know it happened till you mentioned it today. That was, that was actually weird. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Football, uh, I mean, a lot of times, obviously, football reflects society, and society has a problem dealing with sexual assault and things of that nature. We've seen it with even. As I as much as I hate to say it, we shouldn't with our own Arsenal player, Thomas Party. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen here. I mean, but if we've gotten any indication from some of the recent cases and we've seen the way society treats people who are accused of sexual assault but are famous, Ashraf Akimi will be playing football without any issues. Before Damola talks himself into a hole, uh, <laughs> final shout outs to Borussia Dortmund um, because they are top of the Bundesliga. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a race on our hands. Can you believe it? Um, first time in a really long time. Uh, so watch this space. I'm sure we'll touch on that next episode. Uh, shout out to Will Still, the Ren manager, 30 year old lad who doesn't even have his coaching badges, costing them 20K every time he steps on the pitch. Um, but just lost his first game in 20 this season um, last weekend uh, against, I think, Marseille. Uh, uh, he is coaching our boy Balogu into superstardom. So please... For Larry. Uh, 
I hear I hear West Ham are going to replace Moyes with Will Steele. So he might be coming to the Premier League really soon. Ah, oh, dude, I would love to see. He's like my real life hero. Looking at um his story, he's literally um, an FM manager. Yeah, literally. Really hates being called that. <laughs> no, but he literally used to play FM as well. That he was like he started playing FM when he was nine years old. Um, quick uh, side note, okay. Don't you think like a lot of especially like the modern managers? Don't you think like they 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 they, they definitely play football manager? Like before yeah, you they, you once yeah up once they start station, reaching this. Will Still's age, definitely. Yeah. Like what's yeah. like what's this next generation of managers like thirty years old now and one hundred and twenty nine percent, bro. You don't even need to. Bro. You don't even need to go as recent as Will Still. Wasn't it Solsha at a point in time? I don't remember if he was at United then. That said, sometimes oh, if he <laughs> if he didn't know too much about a team, he'd play them on FIFA. To see how they set up and a couple of things, so please, that's why. So that's so sure, yeah. No, but I, I was using that as my a, hero, what, okay. Lads, uh, more they go, more they go. I was using that as a point to show that, um, as technology it's been happening has, before, yeah, exactly. Also, as technology has improved and like quote unquote games have become to be more like simulation, certain things are like easier to pick up. From yeah. from yeah, and like you know, why well, haven't seen it in away from video games and things like chat GPT separate discussion, all of that, all of that. But yeah, man, I'm not gonna talk myself into a hole on this one. So <laughs> thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is an end. Final shame, Paul Pogba, um, for being injured all the time ever since he tried to you, do juju. You, you can't blame um, a man for being injured. Okay, see, no, no, this is no no debate. <laughs> you can't and, for being injured. Uh, story of the week uh, Egyptian second league where a referee used a fan's phone to check his on-field decision and change his mind uh, fan VAR was used obviously the FA is going to investigate that and I don't think they'll allow that to happen again but check it out, it's a true life story um, uh, a team scored a last minute winner um, but it was clearly offside. So one of the fans was actually able to show footage to the referee um, who then overturned his decision. That fan, Definitely. that fan should be considered a club legend and should have Facts. a lifetime membership for him and his family. Facts. Who watch all games forever. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Facts. Uh, and I'm all for anything that leads to a good decision. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, sorry if it's a bit of a long one. Actually, we don't apologize for more of our voices. Uh, have a good rest of your week. Oh, before we go, quick one. Um, final thoughts. If I to, who do you think is winning Europa League? Actually, so what the trophies left? Manchester and, United, my United are winning Europa League, FA Cup. I don't know about that one. It's going to be tough. <laughs> my United and Man City, but my United are winning Europa League. Let's save some juice for next week. Let's save some juice for next week. These, these um tournaments are still live. That's true. All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Again, listen to our first episode. We had some interesting uh, stuff going on there. Sorry we didn't make publicity for that. But, you know, you hear from us more frequently and you get to enjoy the beautiful world that is football. Again. And you don't have to listen to all of it. You can stop at the last five minutes, you know. No, no, no. You should definitely. <laughs> it's, if you are listening to that last episode, definitely listen to those